1: as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities.
2: So, uh, how's your back doing?
3: My back's fine. Yep. Yeah. Is it fine? Yep. I know it was
2: pretty sore.
3: It's totally great. Welcome Yesterday. to the show. Welcome to the show, everybody. On the
2: day before.
3: Okay, I hurt my back.
2: Yeah, he hurt his back. No. Shh, shh, shh. I'm sorry, did you just shook shh, me? Shh. shh.
3: I hurt my back. I uh, I was I lifted a car off a toddler.
2: Is that what happened? Yep,
3: that's what happened. I'm
2: pretty sure you pulled your back trimming your pubes. <laughs> Cuz that's what happened. Yep. I was there. I mean not like right in the room. Yeah. That's something we'd take care of individually.
3: Sure. I was but, uh, I was manscaping. Mhm. And um, <laughs> apparently it had been a while so it took me longer than normal Sure, because you know i was creating like a topiary elephant Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but because i was in that position for as long as i was (laughs) i strained my back (laughs) it was a nasty manscaping related injury but i'm back baby
2: i appreciate your efforts though
3: i saw this uh picture online of a uh restaurant That uh, had a big sign out front. It said, uh, we trimmed our bush so our deck looks bigger. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, it's been a weird few days. Uh, As most of you are, we're still self-isolated. We are, it's several weeks now. And to add uh, insult to injury, we had a big freak blizzard yesterday and the power was out for a day and a half. So, And then there were two minor earthquakes in Maine. Did you see that? It wasn't in our area, but there were two minor earthquakes. So pretty much it's the end of the world.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Next, it's locusts. We had, um, what, like eight, ten inches of snow, something like that. And so we lost power. And, uh, yeah, that made for a weird day. We took a really long nap.
3: Mm-hmm. We've been, <laughs> we've been doing, was... doing a lot of that lately.
2: <laughs> but power's back. Uh, soon we will purge the fridge of all of our lost goods. Yes. And uh, hopefully that's the end of 2020 fucking with us.
3: Yes, I hope so. <laughs> you have a story for me, I'm hoping.
2: I do. This is one of those uh, amazing things that I just one, one night lying in bed was like, oh, hey. I wonder about this, mm-hmm. and so of course I I wrote it down, and the next day I looked it up, and there is a wealth of this. Okay, no, okay, so all right, let's talk about Mirny Mine. Okay, also known as Mir Mine, it is one of the larger man-made excavated holes in the world. It is an enormous open pit diamond mine, and it's located in Russia uh, or Eastern Siberia, and the Mine was discovered, or I should say the diamond-rich deposit was discovered in 1955. And so this enormous kimberlite diamond mine is over 525 meters deep, making it the fourth largest, I'm sorry, the fourth deepest of its kind in the world. There hasn't been uh, mining operations there since 2001, But there are those who say that because of the depth of the hole and because of the way that the warm air does the swirlies and you know how that works, that the airspace over the mine has been closed off because it can suck helicopters down into the, the hole. Um, there have been no reported incidents of that happening, but uh, airspace is closed over the mine. Years ago, they said they were going to turn this mine into, like, a futuristic underground city, uh, which would be really cool. But there hasn't been any movement on that. So, that, yeah, I got to thinking, like, what's the biggest hole in the world? Mm-hmm. Because, of course, I thought, what's the biggest hole in the world? <laughs> The Chiquiqua Mata open cast copper mine in Chile has the largest volume of excavated earth. That's roughly 9 billion cubic meters. Uh, But that is technically, it's a ditch rather than a hole. So uh, we're not including that. Let's talk about, though, the ever-burning hole widely known as the door to hell. This is in Turkmenistan, and it was created by accident slash... Uh,
3: Negligence. Whoops. Yes, yeah. <laughs>
2: exactly. Um, Soviet engineers found natural gas instead of oil when they were uh, digging, and uh, their their drilling camp collapsed. Mm. This was in 1971. So geologists finding this natural gas leak were concerned about it. Uh, basically, moving its way into the nearby towns and killing everyone, so they set it on fire. And <laughs> so,
3: so this is like the geological equivalent of lighting one's fart.
2: <laughs> exactly, uh, except it is—it's been burning since 1971. Does it the flame
3: a- shoot out of the hole? Uh huh. Oh man, it's a
2: giant hole filled with fire.
3: Wow. It's
2: insane. Um the gas crater is about two hundred twenty six feet across and it's about ninety-eight feet deep.
3: I bet they closed the airspace over that too. (inaudible) Meow (inaudible) meow (inaudible)
2: meow (inaudible) meow (inaudible) meow meow meow. Um so because that's filled with fire, I'm not counting that as as the biggest hole either. Right. Due to it being filled with fire. Gotcha. Okay. So let's talk about Bingham Canyon in Utah. It is the deepest at 3,900 feet. So the mine's considered to have produced more copper than any other mine in history, uh, more than 19 million tons. So it's been in production since 1906 and has resulted in the creation of a pit over 0.6 miles deep. miles wide, and it covers 1,900 acres.
3: How long did it take to dig that out?
1: Yeah,
2: it was a while. Wow. Um, Well, like I said, it it started production in 1906. In 1966, the Bingham Canyon Open Pit Copper Mine was designated a National Historic Landmark. (laughs) But to be fair, that was a canyon to begin with, so it's not technically right. entirely man-made.
3: So it was a canyon, but they just dug it out yep. more exactly. Okay. All right, so that you've disqualified that one. Yes. Okay.
2: Though still real scary.
3: At least there's not fire.
2: <laughs> that's <is> true. <laughs> there have been landslides though, right. and that's a big concern. So in the 1960s, humans began digging toward the Earth's mantle. Now, there are really two reasons to dig. Um, it's either for scientific reasons or for mining reasons. And this uh, was a scientific slash dick swinging reason. Okay. So very much like the race to the moon, there was this race to see who could get to the Earth's mantle first. Shut up. Yeah. Um, so there was a project by American scientists called Project Mohol, and... The mantle of the Earth is about 70% of the Earth, but scientists really don't have much knowledge of what it's made of, how it works, what the situation really is down there. So uh, the idea was we're going to get down there first, and then we're going to you know, benefit the world. But it's about us getting there first. So Project Mohol's researchers drilled near the island of Guadalupe off the west coast of Mexico in the water. So. Huh. You'd think, what? why? That makes things so much more difficult because you're adding in water. Uh, but drilling was done off the boat on, rather than on land because the crust is thinner on the ocean floor. Unfortunately, where it's thinnest is also the deepest part of the ocean. You know, no well, big that deal. makes sense, sure. Um, but still, you're just adding in this whole other layer This watery death layer of hole, which to me is just like, how would that even be an option? So
3: this was just like like a drilling expedition as opposed to digging out a big pit.
2: That's correct.
3: All right. So you're talking about the deepest hole.
2: That's where we're going. Yes. All right. Okay. So the U.S. hole went 600 feet below the seafloor and it did bring up several feet of basalt before it was deemed too expensive and Mm -hmm. Congress cut funding for it. Side note, (laughs) according to Business Insider, they have so much neat stuff. Um, Life magazine sent Nobel Prize winning novelist John Steinbeck to cover that expedition. No kidding. So he said that he was into it because he had uh, had a long interest in oceanography and he was, quote, experienced in the ways of the sea.
1: <laughs> Arr, so,
2: <yes>. <laughs> so at the end of this expedition, he had admitted that he stole a piece of the basalt to keep for his own because it was, I mean, it's obviously very neat and it was such an expensive project and there was so little of it pulled from uh, the, uh, uh, neath the ocean that it's a very expensive prized item. So he snagged a piece of it and then the uh, the chief scientist of the project gave him a piece as a thank you for coming to oh. to cover it. D-
3: did Steinbeck feel like shit? He did
2: and he yeah. had to give the stupid piece that he stole back. <laughs> Wow. Which I think is amazing and worth this whole story. So in 1970, Russia entered the race to the mantle and they started digging a hole known as the Kola Super Deep Borehole.
3: I've worked with a few people that that nickname would apply to. <laughs> Smart but boring.
2: Over the next 20 years, scientists drilled. They drilled down 40,230 feet into the earth.
3: What? 40,000, how many miles is that?
2: It's uh, a little less than eight miles. Oh, my God. Yeah.
3: Oh, my God.
2: Yeah. So this was a really interesting moment for me because I was thinking, okay, eight miles, Hmm. eight miles, eight miles deep into the earth, into the deep, dark earth. And I kind of got that weird, like when we're on a cruise ship feeling where there's so much underneath that you don't know and you're so, and so unaware and that
3: creeps you out.
2: It creeps me out hard knowing that there's an eight mile deep hole <laughs> in the earth. Imagine falling. Like you, I fall off my deck and that freaks me out. Right. Yeah. That's, you know what? Seven feet. So you're falling mm. into, and all of my insides, like up through into my throat, it's the grossest thought I've ever had. I had no idea there was a nearly eight-mile-deep hole.
3: Did it give you the collie wobbles?
2: It gave me the collie wobbles hard.
3: So was this just a small drill hole, or was it, in fact, a hole large enough for one to fall into?
2: Great question. No, a person could not fall into it, unless they were a very small person. Mm. Um, Though I got to thinking you could drop babies down there. But well, you could. Please don't. <laughs> Please <laughs> is, don't drop is, babies down is, there. Is
3: that where your mind went? <laughs> your <laughs> mind went, well, I can't fall into it, but we could huck some babies in.
2: <laughs> well, I was thinking like, you know, I'm...
3: Only newborns, often though. Often
2: my brain goes to like, how could this be used nefariously?
3: Which is one of the reasons why so. <laughs> I married you.
2: It's like it's like when I just randomly send you uh, license plate numbers. So drilling stopped in 1992 because temperatures became too hot, um, and the drill bits were melting. Basically, they couldn't continue uh, as temperatures were reaching 356 degrees Fahrenheit.
3: Yeah, I mean you're getting close to hellfire <laughs> at that point.
2: Benjamin Andrews, who's a geologist at the smithsonian said as the heat rises the liquid content rises too so um Hmm. a problem with this and again this comes from business insider um is that it's like trying to keep a pit in the center of a pot of hot soup
0: Hmm.
2: so the liquid just keeps coming in and yeah so the hole is now covered by a metal lid uh it's about nine inches across okay so you're not likely to be able to squeeze in there. So
3: how many babies would it take to fill that hole up?
2: <laughs> no, no, because like they'd if, start like, incinerating. Well, let's I mean, assume
3: that they wouldn't incinerate. Let's assume, and they're stacked head to toe. How okay? A, a baby. I mean, I was like, a
2: long baby. So let me who see knows? Here. No, Let's you're say, going too deep in this, and you're making it weird a little bit. I'm and not then talking it's okay. about
3: murdering them. In my world, this is actually beneficial to them.
2: The world that we live in.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yep. the world that we live in right now. They're much better off being stacked, head to toe.
2: The hole still holds the record for the deepest man-made hole in the world. Locals have said that they can hear souls screaming. Sure it's not babies? Anyway, in 2013, a Dutch artist lowered a microphone down into the hole to record what she called the sound of the earth. And scientists can't explain the rumbling that was recorded. She said that some people have compared the recording to hell, but others say it feels and sounds like the earth breathing. Are you ready for this? Yes. Okay, hold on. Here we go.
3: That's weird. Whoa.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, And quick side note, in 1990, German scientists began to drill a hole as well in Bavaria, and that's called the German Continental Deep Drilling Program. The program managed to get just under thirty thousand feet deep, when they encounter temperatures as hot as five hundred nine oh, degrees holy Fahrenheit. Crap. Holy crap! So they didn't get as far, but they got temperatures much hotter, much faster. Um, and why that is, I don't know. Hmm. But I think that's really interesting that they they didn't even get to that forty thousand, some what are right, other right. feet uh, before they got to temperatures much hotter than than what the uh,
3: the baby hole
2: the borehole. Please, please don't call it the baby hole. How about the baby storage silo? This could have been really interesting, but you just made it weird. All right. So there you go. <laughs> there are the biggest holes in the world. That's
3: amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. And that sound. Oh, my God. Yeah. There are those who still believe that there is a civilization that is living subterranean, kind of like the Morlocks in uh, uh, Time, Time Machine. Machine. Yeah. Uh, that uh, there is a whole civilization, and, and, and a whole world under the Earth. And I remember hearing that theory as a kid and thinking, well, that's stupid. It's going to be dark in there. <laughs> but I read an article recently by somebody who believes it's true, and they say that the their theory is that the world is lit by phosphorescence.
2: Oh. Yeah. Wait, rather than...
3: The sunlight, yeah. It's a little hard to believe. So but...
2: is the moon also lit by phosphorescence?
3: I'm talking about inside the earth.
2: Okay. So, yeah, but how? where would you even get to that conclusion? I don't know. Would we just make shit up now?
3: (laughs) Yes. Yes, we do. All right. Everybody does it. And now, that thing in the middle. These are some of the most hilariously terrible first sentences in uh, literature. (laughs) These are...
2: I think uh, <clears throat> art is subjective, and um, these are just maybe not how like people who write good would tell you to write.
3: <clears throat> Number five, here's the opening line. Cheryl's mind turned like the veins of a wind-powered turbine, chopping her sparrow-like thoughts into bloody pieces that fell onto a growing pile of forgotten memories.
2: Wow. Mm. Wow. Number four. As the dark and mysterious stranger approached, Angela bit her lip anxiously, hoping with every nerve, cell, and fiber of her being that this would be the one man who would understand, who would take her away from all of this, and who would not just squeeze her boob and make a loud honking noise (laughs) as all the others had.
3: Number three. The fairies of Minglewood, which is near Dingley Pool, were having a grand revel with flower cakes and... Butterfly dances looking ever so pretty, while Queen Bella Flora swept her wand over the waterfall's foam, making it pop like the snot bubbles on your baby sister's face.
2: Oh, man. I find so often that the worst parts are written after, like a... Yeah. <sighs> Number two. She strutted into my office wearing a dress that clung to her like saran wrap to a sloppily butchered pork knuckle, <laughs> bone and sinew jutting and lurching asymmetrically beneath its folds, the tightness exaggerating the granularity of the suet and causing what little palatable meat there was to sweat its transparency. The thief of imagination. Wow. No.
3: And number one. For the first month of Ricardo and Felicity's affair, they greeted one another at every stolen rendezvous with a kiss, a lengthy, ravenous kiss. Ricardo, lapping and sucking at Felicity's mouth, as if she was a giant cage-mounted water bottle and he was the world's thirstiest gerbil. What the fuck? I bet those are all 99 cents and under on Kindle.
2: I mean, I don't lap uh, and suck. No. The, no, this, no.
1: The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth.
3: I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it
2: I don't know, like a quarter or something.
3: Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together.
2: Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities
0: to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. All right.
2: So we know ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online. That's right. But there's something you might not know.
3: You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. And right now, I, I know you're thinking... You've been home for so many days or weeks now, you've pretty much finished the internet.
2: That's correct.
3: If you want to find out some of the great shows that are only available in other countries, like, say, England on uh, Netflix, then uh, you could be binging Doctor Who on UK Netflix.
2: Yeah, it's so simple to do. Fire up the ExpressVPN app, change my location to UK, refresh Netflix, and that's it.
3: ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries. So... Wow, think about that. All the different uh, Netflix libraries that you can access.
2: I don't even know what I don't know about.
3: Well, let me give you an example. Say you like anime. You can use
2: ExpressVPN
3: to access Japanese Netflix.
2: But it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it.
3: There are hundreds of VPNs out there. But the reason that we use ExpressVPN to watch shows is it is just crazy stupid fast. And you know, once we're all able to travel again. I'm thinking this is going to be great for us when we go to say Ecuador.
2: We'll be all like, hola, I know about your TV. We'll make friends.
3: ExpressVPN is compatible with all your devices, your phones, your media consoles, your smart TVs. You can watch what you want on a personal device or the big screen wherever you are.
2: If you visit the Box of Oddities special link right now at expressvpn.com slash box, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free
3: support the show watch what you want and protect yourself with ExpressVPN. vpn slash box and you get an extra three months for free
1: someday this podcast will be mailed to you on one of those newfangled eight track tapes we see in magazines about the future but until then this crappy download thing will have to do this is the box of oddities
3: In a recent episode, Kat was talking about uh, finding dead bodies under motel beds. Uh, Jennifer sent us this message. So one time when I was traveling to find my first ever library job, my mom and I stayed in the only motel in the tiny town where the interview was being held. When we went to check in, the woman behind the desk turned to the person next to her and asked, are we uh, renting that one yet? Oh, my. Not a good sign. We get into the room, which was normal enough, except for the copious amounts of blood stains on the box spring. Who knows why they didn't replace those, but there you go. The interview, by the way, went just about as well as the stains foretold.
2: No. Oh, man. Sorry about that. It sounds terrible.
3: You know, it's funny that you mentioned during your story that you pulled a lot of your information from Business Insider and how that it's weird, all the stuff that Business Insider has. Yeah. It, it, more than just articles about business. A lot of my topic came from Business Insider. Really? <laughs> too. It's awesome. It's a story about a guy named Adam Rainier. Adam was born in Australia in 1899. And by all accounts, he led a pretty normal childhood. His, his parents were kind he did pretty well in school, just another kid in class for the most part. But there was one thing that set him apart from his classmates and that was his size. He was much smaller than the others. And consequently, he was teased a lot because kids are shitbags.
2: Right, correct, accurate.
3: So his parents, to keep his spirits up, would tell him that he'd have a growth spurt. Most parents would do that sort of thing. You know, you're, you're gonna catch up to the other kids. And one day you're going to be as tall as they are. So Adam would tell himself all the time that not only was he going to be as tall as them, that he would be the tallest of them all. Oh, wow. Now, according to Business Insider, Adam continued his schooling. And after graduating, World War I was breaking out and he tried to enlist in the army. At four feet, one quarter inches, that's 122.55 centimeters, he was deemed too short and too weak. A year later... He went back and tried again. He was actually shorter. He measured 3 foot 7 or 111.5 centimeters, and the army rejected him once again based, based on his height. Sure. He was technically considered a dwarf. Because he was below the cutoff of four foot ten. That's how the army would uh, categorize people in those days.
2: I would feel like he would be, I don't know, I, I get like a real Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer vibe here. Like maybe the army could have utilized him in ways that like giant men couldn't get into little holes and maybe
3: save the babies.
2: No, oh. But maybe, like, he he is special. He would have had special abilities because he's a small man.
3: They weren't thinking outside the box. Dummies. Although he was short, medical reports from the period state that Rainier had abnormally large hands and feet for his height. Oh. When he first tried to enlist in the Army and he was four feet tall, his shoe size was a US-10 or an EU-43.
2: Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you're a 10.
3: An 11, but yes. Yeah, close. No, I
2: meant you're a 10. Oh.
3: You're so so gross. So yeah, he was a size 10, U.S. size 10. Three years later, his feet had doubled in size to a U.S. 20. What? Yes. Now, to put that in perspective, and that's EU 53, for those of you listening overseas. Though his height remained pretty much static, his feet grew to the size... Well, to put it in perspective, Shaquille O'Neal.
2: I'm Googling it right now. What is Shaq's shoe size? 23. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. And he's an enormous man.
3: He's an enormous man. And I remember seeing an interview one time. Bob Costas was interviewing Shaq. And to give people a a perspective of how big Shaq's feet were, he took a size 23 shoe and put his loafer inside of it. (laughs) So another year goes by. Adam finally started to grow a little bit. In fact, in just one year, he grew two full inches, and he was so excited about that. Maybe it was time that he, maybe his growth spurt that his parents had promised was uh, about to happen. But it was just another disappointment because it didn't continue. He he had this short growth spurt. Mm-hmm. And by this time it was the year 1920 and Adam was 21 years old.
2: So probably pretty close to done with growing.
3: In fact, that's what the doctor said. They gave him the unwelcome news that because he was 21, the chances of him getting any taller were slim or none.
0: Oh. At
3: that age one's height is pretty much locked in. Until old age and then sometimes you become a bit shorter, or, right. you know. So he was 4 foot 8, locked in for life. Abnormally large hands and feet. But Adam refused to believe that he wasn't going to get any taller. He kept telling people one day he'd be taller than them all. And then something happened. He started growing. What? And not just another two inches. He started growing many inches and at an alarmingly accelerated rate with no signs of slowing down.
2: So he had a gland issue.
3: Ten years would go by. By the time Adam turned 31... He had grown more than two feet. He was seven foot one inches tall.
2: Whoa. So, I mean, just about tall enough for those feet?
3: Yeah, he grew into his feet. Now, according to allthat'sinteresting.com, doctors were baffled by this. Again, 1931. Two doctors, a Dr. Mendel and a Dr. Windhold, started examining Rainier in 1930. They began to suspect, like you had mentioned, that it was a glandular issue or perhaps a tumor that was causing the pituitary gland to produce too many or too much growth hormone. Got it. This condition, this is the same condition that Andre the Giant had.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. I thought that his condition was pure sweetness.
3: Yeah, he had that too. So the symptoms of this condition include enlarged hands and feet, which Rainier definitely had. In addition to that, his face had elongated due to the protruding forehead and jaw. His lips became thicker and his teeth became widely spaced. He also started experiencing issues with his spine. It had increasingly uh, curved sideways oh, wow. during the, his massive growth spurt. In 1931, they discovered that their hypothesis was correct. That it was a tumor, in fact, causing his pituitary gland to overproduce growth hormone. So they decided the best plan would be to operate to remove the tumor. But again, this is 1931, and uh, the operation to remove the tumor was very risky, with a very small chance of success, considering that the tumor was um, more than 10 years old and had been growing for such a long period of time.
2: Right, but if they didn't operate...
3: He would continue to grow.
2: Yeah, and that's going to not take long to be detrimental.
3: So they weighed the options and decided that probably surgery would be the the best option. So they went ahead with the operation. It's very dangerous and complicated surgery, especially for 1931. However, after the lengthy procedure, the doctors were able to remove the tumor and the operation was deemed a success.
0: Wow.
3: So they wanted to wait a few months before they re-examined him to see if he had stopped growing. So a few months went by. Adam returned for his follow-up exam. Doctors were thrilled to find out that his height had remained the same. However, the curvature of his spine had worsened, and the doctors determined that uh, even though he wasn't any taller at this point, because the spine was increasingly curved, he was still growing, but it was at a much slower rate. And they determined at that point there was nothing else they could do. So over the next few years, Adam's health continued to deteriorate. He began to lose his hearing. He went blind in one eye. But the worst thing he had to deal with was the whole spine thing. The curve of his spine continued to worsen to the point where it became so severe that he uh, was bedridden. He could not get out of bed. He died in 1950 at the age of 51, measuring seven feet, eight inches. Some newspapers reported his height at seven foot, 10 inches. So in 1918, he was three foot seven in 1950 He was between 7 foot 8 and 7 foot 10. Adam Rainier is the only man in history to be classified as both a dwarf and And a a giant.
2: giant. (gasps) Wow.
3: So there you go.
2: That's a terribly sad ending, though.
3: I know. I wish that I could have said that his spine straightened out and he signed a multi-million dollar contract with the L.A. Lakers. But no.
2: Well, no. He was in Australia, right?
3: What, you think Australians can't play basketball?
2: No, I mean, I just wouldn't imagine that he'd go to the Lakers.
3: Who would he go to?
2: I don't know. The Red red Dirts, the Australian Bird Thieves. The, um, <laughs> the Australian
3: uh, Bird Thieves. Uh, they had a great season two years ago. They actually approached um, an undefeated season so, until um, they were... Knocked off by the Sydney Vegemite eaters. (laughs) Sorry, Australia, was that considered in poor taste?
2: Vegemite is poor taste. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's just too salty. But that's, you know, that's just a taste thing. I'm sure if I had it more often, I would like it. It's fine.
3: Love you, Australia. So there it is. Adam Rainier, the only man in history to be classified as both a dwarf as well as a giant.
2: That is really interesting.
3: We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. As I've been saying lately, uh, quantum theory suggests that once you stop listening to this episode, it ceases to exist. So if you would uh, leave us a positive comment on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen, that way we'll know we're, that we're real.
2: You're not real. I'm real. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the Freaks Group on Facebook. It's become one of my very favorite things and has become something that keeps me sane during this uh, self-imposed isolation uh love you guys so much and thank you for joining us once again
3: we look forward very much to hanging out with you next time
2: until then keep flying that freak flag
3: fly it proudly you beautiful freak and so let it be
1: known that the box of oddities belongs to you and its fate is in your hands. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. The Boxofodities.com. On Facebook at facebook.com/slash Box of Oddities Podcast. On Twitter at Box of Oddities and Instagram at Box of Oddities Podcast. Copyright 2020 All Rights Reserved.
2: Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well look no further and join me, Katie with your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books. As I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of
0: course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hello everyone, Stuck you here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything.